You're listening to Speak Up on CJSF 90.1 FM Burnaby. We're the campus and community radio station at Simon Fraser University, where we broadcast from unceded Coast Salish territories. Good morning and happy Tuesday from CJSF 90.1 FM campus and community radio broadcasting from a beautiful sunny Burnaby Mountain and the lower mainland. We're looking at a temperature of 18 degrees this afternoon and uh, if you're uh, a regular listener to the show you know that that makes this host a very happy gal. So uh, that's where I start today. Uh, My name's Robin. I will be your host for today's program. And on the show, I will have uh, Rebecca Mears, who is the project manager of Blossom Co-Housing Project, which is uh, an initiative we are going to find out all about uh, over the course of the next hour. Uh, as usual, we'll have a little bit of jazz music to, to round things out. And to start us off today, we're going to hear something from the Apollo Suns album, Dawn Offerings. This is a track called A Song for Sterling. <laughs>
The Apollo Suns here on Speak Up, CJSF, 90.1 FM, Campus and Community Access Radio from the top of Burnaby Mountain, where we do broadcast on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Coquitlam peoples. My name is Robin, and I am your host for the day. Not for the day, but for this day's Speak Up. And uh, I have a guest with me in the studio this morning. Uh, Rebecca Mears is uh, no stranger to <laughs> CJSF and, uh, and is with me to talk a little bit about a project called Blossom Co-Housing. Mm-hmm. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's delightful to be on this in this seat <laughs> instead of behind the board. Yeah, you were saying when you first got, got in and sat in the chair that you've never sat in that chair before. <laughs> so there's there's always a new experience it's here at the, the station. You think you know everything and then all of a sudden <laughs> you're you're in a different position um so thanks for being my my guest today um this is this is something that uh i just found out about through a conversation with you uh, Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and my my ears perked up (laughs) with with excitement because it sounded uh like a really cool thing so um, it's called the Blossom Co-Housing Project, mm-hmm. and tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the reason it probably perked up your ears is the same reason why it exists, and it's just Vancouver is a hard and harsh place for housing for anybody who's not a bajillionaire or doesn't have family or something that they can just be hooking into. So if you're moving into the city and trying to find housing, if you are working class, if you are a single parent, if you are on disability, if you are marginalized in one of a thousand ways, it is so incredibly difficult to access and and get um, signed in to decent homes and by decent I mean with landlords that are supportive and do their jobs in a way that is in alignment with rental tenancy act and spaces that actually are taken care of and healthy feeling and healthy looking when you're in them and maybe nurturing or nurturing nourishing it does it's not even about accessing something luxurious it's about accessing the stable basics mm-hmm. of housing and um, so the project was born out of frustration for there not being enough options for that. And also looking at a couple of the things that tend to make the housing crisis work here, worse here, not work, <laughs> not work. Uh, we have a lot of really expensive big homes sitting empty and that's been trying to have some movement on that. We've instituted a new tax and all kinds of consequences for people who are leaving their homes empty or purchasing and living overseas. But then there's also the complicating factor of the sharing economy, specifically Airbnb, which is one of the ways that a lot of people are trying to make ends meet in the city. So if they do have property, even spaces that would maybe perhaps normally be rented out 
to individuals or small families. They are often kept off the market so that the person who owns them is able to make their own mortgage payments by earning more by renting them out to Airbnb. So what if you could take those two things that are actually kind of hamstringing what's going on for people in the city and leverage them, tie them together, turn them inside out and make them create opportunities Mm. for people to have more options for housing and specifically making that then an offering to the people who have the hardest time. So single parents, people who are on disability, people who are otherwise marginalized, who are already have a lot of cards stacked against them in terms of access to what is available on the market. Oh my goodness, absolutely. Um, (laughs) This just harkens back to when my partner and I moved to Vancouver two and a half years ago and we were moving interprovincially and nobody except the scammer people (laughs) would, (laughs) (laughs) would would give us the time of day yeah and so you know i had people yelling at me on over the phone because i wouldn't send them uh, my oh no. my damage deposit and a sight unseen a sight course, unseen right? and this you know with no paperwork and mm-hmm. no no anything um you know and we we actually came to Vancouver with nowhere to land. Oh, that's so vulnerable. So vulnerable. And, you know, if 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 we hadn't had the the interview in the shared house that we lived in for quite a long time, the very uh, next next day, mm-hmm. um, and they and they would have would not have said yes right then oh my goodness i don't know what this we is would have close, done yeah. right and so it, it's it's not it's not just people who are who experience a, a level of marginalization and and uh, and a difficulty i think no it's kind of across the board it's across the board it is you know it doesn't matter how good your housing references are sometimes mm. because we, we had excellent references mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we lived in the same place for almost 10 years mm-hmm. you know we're very stable very good tenants you know always paid the rent we mm-hmm. have a double income you know i had a job when i came here to 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 put on yeah on my your paperwork i'm totally legit <laughs> right like why is why is this not easy <laughs> it should be easy <laughs> and so yeah and i and i see i see you know through social media the the number of people who are coming into this city on work permits right. and things where they just need somewhere for 3 to 6 months maybe right. or yeah. their year or two year work permits so yeah. that they can figure out what they want to do where do they want to be if yeah. they want to be here yeah. and um, you know people who rent out their their co-housing um, opportunities you know they sublet them for two weeks three weeks yeah. a couple of a couple yeah. of months so this is this is a a big deal as as you were as you were it is a big deal saying I mean the the amount of cha- of uh, of um, competition 
just to access a one bedroom or a two bedroom has over the last few years it's it's led to things like i mean i've shown up to viewings last time i looked for housing was four years ago and so straight up it's gotten worse since this was my experience but showing up for a one or two bedroom showing and having 50 people ahead of me which i can see because they've all written their names on the list yeah and this was the first showing yeah and there are some of the places where the landlords will um, passively allow it to turn into a rental bidding war. I've been there too. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's just, and so when you think about that, so people who have the time to invest into hunting for places, they have a budget where maybe there's two people with full-time incomes that are contributing to, contributing to this and you're stretching it to try to pay as much as you can to access these houses. And yet those people are encountering this level of competition. Now you think about people who are single moms who can't even get out of the house because they don't have childcare to look for places. People who are on disability and who have to, even if they get a lease, I had somebody who was staying with me who got a house, wasn't a great place, wasn't a house, it was a, it was a you know basement apartment and it was a funky place and she was gonna stay there with a friend to make it work. But when you're on disability, you have to take a, a sheet of paper to your landlord that they have to sign stating I don't know why our government makes them do that. The, the money doesn't get sent directly to the landlord. It still goes through the tenant. But the person on disability has to take that form to the landlord to get signed. Well, the landlord refused to give them their key, even though they'd already signed the lease. It's against human rights. But this happens all the time. Single parents don't even get call back, so they don't even get to show up where there's the 50 people with the, you know the rental war going on, rent bidding war going on. So it's, it is bad. It's bad for everyone. And then it's devastatingly bad to the point of really causing harm to the children that are trying to grow up in these cramped and horrible spaces because the only things that people who can't show up for those bidding wars can access are the ones that everybody passes over. So why is everybody passing them over? Usually really sketchy places or sketchy landlords or... We can understand how long that list can get for what will make other people walk. Absolutely, yeah. So... I want to see that turn inside out. I was a single mom four years ago looking for housing, and I couldn't find a place. I couldn't even find a one-bedroom. And my t- my two boys were just about teenagers. It was going to be ridiculous to be in a one-bedroom with them. But I that was you know you needs take must, what you right? take, yeah, exactly. And I couldn't I couldn't even find that. So in a fit of upset one night, I started looking at the most expensive houses that were listed on Craigslist. Bad attitude. All the way. Just, you know, daggers coming out of my eyes and my my mouth as I'm muttering to myself looking through these pictures. Just wondering about, you know, who, who are these lavish people that can afford these really expensive homes? But then when I looked through the pictures of them, I realized there was this little light bulb that went on. They weren't just lots of bedrooms and luxurious appointments in the homes. They had these big spaces in them that were called living rooms. And I have to use like air quotes for that because they're just so ridiculously huge that I immediately realized they had potential beyond just, you know, watching TV and playing video games and hanging out with a family. And I did some math and realized that if I could be comfortable with sharing my home, either as equals with other roommates or perhaps having international students come in and stay with me or perhaps Airbnb, which I didn't really know anything about at the time, but I understood the concept. I realized that it might actually cover the rent, which just was such a baffling thought to me because I was struggling to pay for a one bedroom. How could a six bedroom pay for itself? Right. But I'm four years down the road 
And it actually worked. It worked. And so I've been telling people for many years, this is a thing that I tried, and it was an experiment, and I it was a desperation experiment. Uh, it was that or the streets. I really was down to the last wire. Mother but, of invention, right? Yes, literally, <laughs> single mother of invention. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, thankfully, my, my dad had my back for the first two months' rent, and I, got, I was accepted into this house. I have to say, they didn't look at my references. I know they didn't check them, but they took me in. I guess they just had been sitting empty for a while and they wanted somebody in there. So it was a series of fortunate supports and accidents that got me in there. But then it was mine to to, to work on and keep because I certainly didn't have an income that would pay for it. And it did pull together and it did work. And I've tried a few different things through the years. But for myself personally and the way that it works with me having a young family in the home, I actually found that Airbnb, sharing the rooms in my house with Airbnb, ended up being the the best fit with having a family uh, because the people who come in, uh, they're countable because I give them reviews. Therefore, they don't want bad reviews. They want to be able to stay in other places. They leave the house in as good condition as they came, again, for the review process, which is not the same for the people I've had in as short-term roommates, by and large. There's been a, an exception or two. But for a lot of them, it I had a lot of da- uh, damage that I needed to clean up after they left, which was really frustrating, yeah. considering we're supposed to be equals in this house. Um, and Airbnb travelers, are they just come with this attitude of exploration and adventure, and they're out of the house most of the time. They're not invested in trying to kind of co-occupy the space and kind of have an equal share in the power dynamics or decision-making in the home. I'm able to kind of set boundaries and parameters. Mm. So it's been a stable source of income in a way that actually works well with my family. And... It is something that can be replicated. So that's where the project comes in, was myself and a few other people who were equally equally seeing the potential of this concept, with or without the Airbnb component, because it can look like a lot of different uh, setups. It could be organized in different ways. What else could be bringing in, coming into the space to help pay for the rent of the house? There right. are other options of ways of doing this. But the idea is collaboration between people coming into the house as long-termers, and then something else with the space that does help to bring in extra income that makes up the difference. So it's not laying on the shoulders of the long-termers who probably don't have an income that would cover the cost of a big house. Um, So those things combining together can hold it, but the project is meant to help hold some of the risk factor for getting it started, because that is the gap that I noticed over the last few years of telling my story of what I did, was not everybody's going to be able to jump off the cliff with as much blind faith as as I did, signing a lease for something so big, no backups, no savings that is going to cover this, and needing to make it work, and you're the only person that's going to make it work. So by holding the lease, if the person is not able to get the lease directly to themselves, um, perhaps the landlord would be more comfortable with someone who's got a track record now of, of the house or a, a business in, in a business name, knowing that there's backup, right, mm-hmm. for, for making sure that the rent gets paid. Um, supporting them in setting up the Airbnb. Now that there's some expertise and experience with that, if that's what they want to do, helping walk them through that process. So really they're responsible for paying their portion of regular rent every month 
being hospitable and supportive for whatever the other activities are in the house and collaborating with the decision making around what those are and what works for them in their space. So that's the concept. And so we're looking at a few different uh, iterations. We've got several, we're calling them seed moms that are waiting in the wings that have their unique flavor or spin that they're going to create with their house. They will partner with other people and we're, st- we're looking for people who would be interested in going in on houses with these people. And so one of them is going to look like a, a safe haven for LGBTQ community where the, they're going to be nourishing events and um, um, other happenings, gatherings, where people uh, can just can come and find safe space and community, nourishing community there, as well as running Airbnb, with, which would have a family focus and an LGBTQ focus within that house. We've got um, another house that would be focused around people with animals. People have a hard time finding housing with animals here in Vancouver. It's especially, especially dogs. Especially dogs. And sometimes cats. Yeah, well, people are just so pet, no pets, right? And I've even heard that it's been talked about as uh, that we may pass some laws around making that not a thing that a landlord can refuse entry into their house based on. Right. I yeah. don't know that that's gone anywhere yet, but I have heard it being talked about, right? Yeah. Because what we're having is people move to the city and they're surrendering their animals. So our SPCA is overflowing because landlords won't allow pets in houses. Right, but then the pets can't be adopted. I know. Because you can't have a pet in yeah. your place. So we're place, looking at like so. a pet less unless you are a house owner city. And it, it's, uh, that's not realistic. No. So we've got people who already have their pets who are like their children. They're not going to surrender them, but now they're not able to find housing. Mm. So here's another woman who is um, on disability, has pets. And one of the things I think that's interesting that I've I've kind of clued into through this project is the idea that single moms and dis, um, people on disability, the idea that they're not perhaps stable for rent, but they have regular incomes. Yeah. It's just not matching the rents that are out there in Vancouver. They actually know exactly what they can afford, and it's regular. Mm-hmm. So if you are matching them with where that's at, they're hella regular. <laughs> like, it's... It is totally fine. Yeah. (laughs) So her matching with some other people who might have similar backgrounds, definitely have similar interests, equally happy with with animals, and their Airbnbs that they would run through would also be pet friendly, which is something that a lot of Airbnb people are always hunting for because a lot of Airbnb hosts won't host pets. I'm one of them. (laughs) I won't host pets. I actually don't even host children just because it can disturb other guests in the house. So when you put these little spins on what the rooms are for, it will make them even more successful in their little niche in Airbnb, which then supports the housing for the people that are in there. Right. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. I'm I'm thinking about this this whole pet Mm -hmm. pet house and... uh, you know, I said to my partner the other day, because it always astounds me how many people are out walking their dogs all the time and how many cats there are in our neighborhood. And and um, and I, I sort of posited the idea to him that maybe there's so many people with pets because Vancouver's a really lonely city. Mm, that's an interesting thought. And... You know, if you if if you don't have friends or you can't yeah. make friends or you have trouble, you know, sort of finding a, a place of belonging, one way to not go crazy with that 
is yeah. to have a, a little fur friend of some sort. Yeah. You know, and then that becomes even more impactful yeah. when you can't take your fur friend with it's you. True. You know, and, and that 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 sense of family that fur friends can can develop yeah. for for you and um well, just you, even create a sense of of camaraderie when you're out in public. It's very true. It becomes an opening for conversation. You know? And, you know, the the essence of what you're talking about, too, is actually really revealing. It is commonly said in Vancouver that it can be a very lonely and isolated isolating experience living here. Mm-hmm. I don't personally experience that, but so many people that I know do, and it is talked about so frequently, that really we need to name it as a breakdown of community. Yeah. We are all living our little independent lives. We've forgotten the art of community. And that is detrimental to our mental health and our physical health in so many ways. And that's a, that's like a happy side effect of this project For sure. that we're going to be creating. Because not only will there be new opportunities of just proximity community, when you have people co-sharing a house, you do form community. That doesn't mean it's not bumpy. That is community. That actually. is part it's of community. Bumpy, very yeah. bumpy. Sometimes drama, sometimes <laughs> peace. But you have each other's backs kind of against the world. <laughs> well, maybe we can do it with the world. <laughs> so even between the co-housing uh, houses, there will be a tie because we all will know that we're doing something together. We're trying something different together. There will be communication. There will be group events because I'm going to host them. It's just going to happen. And that will become another kind, another level of community. And even though that's not why people necessarily are looking for housing, we're looking for stable housing because it's just primary. You, if you don't have it, you're you're so messed up. Mm-hmm. But we also desperately need community. Yes. So hopefully this will also be helping to heal and expand that part of Vancouver society. For sure. Um, it's also strength in numbers, I think. And I think... Um, like the Vancouver collective housing, people who live in collective houses in Vancouver formed a network mm. um, because they recognized that if they banded together and had representatives from people who live in collective houses, there's more strength for advocacy in terms of policy changes and you know what the city could be in and maybe should be doing in terms of looking at the housing crisis here in in the lower mainland and so they 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 have you know their own house that is a community but they are also building community right. with the other shared yeah. housing collectives that Very that are similar. out there so it's a similar kind and of idea beautiful. right and and yeah, to me, it just talks about strengthening that that whole network so that that community becomes an even stronger voice for change. Yes, it's very true. In general. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. My guest today on Speak Up is Rebecca Mears, who is the project manager of Blossom Co-Housing Project. And we are talking about the the need for uh, looking at housing through a different lens mm. and um, being imaginative uh, in terms of how 
people can live here in Vancouver um, that takes some of the, the, the pressure off of high rents mm-hmm. and low vacancies and uh, just an inability to, to feel like you're in a stable situation with, you know, the amount of rent evictions and right. sort of sketchy, yeah. scammy, landlordy yeah. stuff um, that that happens here in terms of, of housing. Um, we're going to come back uh, after a song break and talk a little bit about um, how we're going to make this a reality oh, yeah. in the in <laughs> in the world because you know uh, dreaming is dreaming um, and then you know manifesting some something is is sometimes uh, a, a little bit different so yeah uh, you chose you chose us a song um, I did Amon Tobin and I believe it's called Bridge or Bridges. Uh, what I have is bridge. Bridge, that's it. Yeah, yes. and uh, this is off an album called Permutation here on CJSF Campus Community Radio from Simon Fraser University on Burnaby Mountain.
I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Buying an electric vehicle might seem like a step into the unknown, but in Norway, many people are doing it with no regrets. In 2018, EVs accounted for almost one-third of the new cars sold. Apur Basakti of the MIT Energy Initiative says that a combination of policies and incentives has accelerated the transition to EVs in Norway. For example... New car purchases in Norway are heavily taxed, but for years, EVs have been exempt from these taxes. EV drivers have also been able to skip paying road tolls and park for free in many cities. On one hand, you have the tax, and then you have these subsidies as well, and when you stack them together, it tilts the balance in favor of EVs. The country is also investing in its charging infrastructure to reduce people's concerns about running out of power. Sakti says that once people do make the switch, they rarely look back. In a 2016 survey... Only 4% of Norwegians who own an EV said that they would consider going back to internal combustion engines in the future. So that's almost a 96% of the EV owners that are very happy with EVs and want to stick with it in the future as well. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Welcome back to Speak Up here on CJSF Campus Community Radio from Burnaby Mountain. My name's Robin, and I am here with my guest, Rebecca Mears. 
who is uh, the project pro- manager. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could see it getting tangled there. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, here we go. Um, yes, the the project coordinator for Blossom Co-Housing Project, which uh, is meant to be one sort of puzzle piece in yeah. the pie um, for... Uh, options to create some stability in in the housing market, housing crisis mm-hmm. uh, for rental um, people here on in the Lower Mainland, um, and we've talked uh, about sort of what it is mm-hmm. and and you know how it how it might look, um, and you know a little bit about the backstory of how this idea came into to being um but in terms of the the really tangible steps next steps mm-hmm. how to step <laughs> um what does what does this look like well it looks like um having or collecting the cash for deposit and first and maybe two months worth of rent so there's a bit of a buffer uh, that would be equal to um, the rent of a large house so we're looking at something like for these houses now prices have been dropping the last few months I mean the timing that this is coming through is amazing Vancouver has suddenly got this flood of big houses on the market because of the new empty homes tax mm. and the prices have dropped a lot which is so fantastic so we're trying to get in there with that so say around $4,000 let's say might be a median for one of these big houses it's like six or seven bedrooms so getting a couple months of rent damage deposit together and having that at the ready while we've got uh, our seed mums lined up and then matching that with a landlord who gets what we're trying to do so all of this is on the up and up understands what we're trying to do and is supportive of it and happy to have this happen in their space so making a rental agreement with whether that's me or the company or perhaps one of the other members of the team who's willing to hold that sort of part of the risk factor, um, moving the, the people in and then getting Airbnb set up, supporting them through that, doing that legally, because Vancouver does have a legal option for Airbnb now, and it requires you to be the primary resident in the home and that you're renting out um, one or a few of the rooms within that home in which you are a resident. So not the renting out of the entire space to someone else, but just a bedroom. And that's what I have going on in my home. I've got a license with the city for that. And so there's a way to do this where it's legal with the city. It is on the up and up with the landlord. Um, and then these other pieces are there just to kind of hold. It's like while they're learning to ride a bike. Right, just while you're getting up to speed, because mm-hmm. it goes on its own as soon as you kind of got it going. Right. In fact, it becomes completely self-sustainable and even profitable to the point where it can pay back the initial money that was put in, and that can then roll over to another house for someone else. So that's more longer term. It's not like within just a few months. We're looking at like the arc of about a year, but it will happen. So right now. Um, we're in the fund and awareness raising stage. So I have an Indiegogo campaign that is going on. Uh, It is raising some funds. Um, We have a lot of uh, private donors who have come alongside us to say that they are ready to give bigger chunks of money. Um, So really what I'm 
trying to do is it's not even so much about pressing on the money piece because I feel like that comes mostly through these agreements through with with people who have influence and who have money rather than trying to collect monies from people who are already super stretched. This is a grassroots movement, but it's going to be funded by people who have some privilege with housing and money. I feel confident about that. Right. So we need the voices of the people who to say, yeah, let's try this. Can we try this, please? I would like something like this, whether it's for myself or for a friend or for a family member. I've got somebody in mind. We want those voices to kind of come alongside us so that we have that, we can kind of show our work to say, look, this isn't just us with this idea. We've got people who 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 want in. And then that can match with the people who are coming alongside, who's, who are sort of intrigued by the concept of this project and maybe want to, are willing to experiment and leverage their privilege points, whether it be in helping to hold a lease, in giving a chunk of money towards a deposit for something, um, giving some goods, or maybe they're even in the position of being one of the landlords, where they're like, you know what? I'd like to welcome this in. I'd l- also like to see a change in the sh- city. This is a, I almost said city in a different way, and that would have been really funny right there. <laughs> I thought so too. <laughs> um, where they realize that this is within their power. Um, just being a landlord doesn't equal that you want to uphold the status quo, which is, you know, facilitating poverty and the gap in the city. There are many people out there who who would like to pitch in. And so this is a way of pitching in. And it can look like a, a whole bunch of different things. So really, I'm already out house hunting. <laughs> and I've got seed mums are preparing. And we're in the process of um I I don't want to say we're matching them with other people, but we're having the conversations and we're letting them meet more people who maybe are of like mind, like background, interested in creating the same thing. We'll let the the connections happen naturally rather Mm -hmm. than us just slotting people together. That doesn't feel um, real. It doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel perhaps sustainable. We can introduce people together, but we'll let them choose who their house partners will be. That feels better. (laughs) Yeah, especially when you're looking for some kind of sustainable model for, you know, people being roommates. It's good if they have, make that decision on their own rather than sort of assign them, you know. Yeah, it's basically like choosing co-partners for an experiment. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not like you have to love each other <laughs> fantastically or want to spend all your time together. It's actually a really fantastic opportunity for practicing good boundaries. <laughs> and um, I'm a coach. This is my background. And so I'm actually probably going to be supporting house members, not intrusively, but just as a like, if I'm available, if this would be helpful. So we can have conversations around what does this look like? It's an experiment. We maybe have never lived like this before. Mm-hmm. To combine two single parent families in one home, what does that look like? could be absolute chaos and destruction or it could be quite magical and it could be a little bit a combination of both um does it serve them how does this what would serve them helping them to navigate that territory of some combination and some separation within a large space mm-hmm. that is supportive of it so that's the difference is it's not we're trying to push people together in little spaces we're talking about putting them in physical environments that feel really good that have bedrooms that are really spacious, where you kind of have your own oasis in it. Right. Where you are, you are walking around a space that allows you to say, what would I like to create here? What would I like to do with this space? 
And you can because now it's yours and you're in it and you get to be, you know, collaborating in those decisions. And it, having gone through this myself in the home that I'm in, oh man, it makes such a difference. We named it Blossom Co-Housing Project because that's what happens when you put people who've been super constrained and tight and stressed out into a space that is stable, nourishing, and has opportunity. You don't force the opportunity on people, it, but the opportunity is there mm-hmm. when they feel ready to start exploring it. And it's like it takes a little while before you feel like you can kind of let your roots spread out a little bit. But when you do, you start reaching for the sun because you can see the sun from <laughs> there instead of being in a dank, dark back corner of someone else's home, you know, cramped and surviving. Yeah. Move from surviving to thriving. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Something that a lot of folks here struggle with. um, Yeah. With all of the pressures and uh, inabilities to really feel, uh, again, that sense of community and and that that sense of security that all kinds of things bring, you know? I just imagine um, myself if I had to live and pay the rent that I pay now with my partner uh, as a single person. How yeah. how would that happen? Mm-hmm. How do they do that? I'm I'm barely, you know, I barely have a lot of uh, excess money for no for excess things that the, is a bit of a joke. Here. You know. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not an extravagant spender at all. Yeah. And you definitely can't be. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. And the need is so huge. It's so pressing and it's so across the board that it really, I think we've hit a place of shutdown at the, the feeling of powerlessness because this was created by something so much bigger than us as individuals. Mm. This is a systemic problem. And part of the reason why I have so much time to give this concept and this project is because it's like I see a back door where it's unlocked and I can walk through there. I can't maybe necessarily get everybody lined up and we're all going to walk through it once, but we can go through one at a time. And it's possible, so why are we not doing it? Rather than feeling the overwhelm and just shutting down. And there's a story, my dad used to tell this story about a guy walking out onto a beach that was covered in starfish that had been beached, right, from the waves. And they were dying in the hot sun. I mean, thousands upon thousands of these starfish. And one dude is out there tossing starfish back into the ocean. So he walks up to this guy and he's like, what are you doing? Like, you're never going to get, <laughs> this is, you're not really, like, why are you, you that's a lot of energy for not much results. And the guy throws another starfish out and he says, made a difference to that one. And that's this. Right. That is absolutely this. Every individual that experiences a change. Um, I have another friend who is a coach, a financial coach, and I listened to her give a presentation once and she said what happens she asked a question what happens when you empower and give financial stability and freedom to a woman 
who has perhaps been a single mom with kids. What does she do? She turns around and she helps other women and kids and helps the infrastructure of society. So we, those of us who have been through the ringer, we want to turn around and, and help other people up and out. And so let's do it. Let's get on. This is one let's way. Let's do yeah. it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's do it. Um, I'm curious about hiccups and snags with the city in terms of like, are there things I was I was encouraged um, by the by the uh, by what you said about sort of a legal way yeah. to 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 go about Airbnb because uh, my impression was that you know with this new the new laws that they passed yeah, that bylaws. Y- you know you you couldn't yeah. do that but no but actually there is fits. actually a way yeah that fits within that yeah. and would that be the only thing that sort of holds this this back? I think things that I would want to be cautious and aware of as I go into this is um, making sure that the, the people who are the long-termers in the house, even if they're not holding the main lease, that they have a sublease that gives them rights as tenants. That's important to consider because it's very easy for people to just be like, I'll hold this and then you just come in, but then you know what I mean? Like a sublease that's not a written lease. Yeah, there there's needs no, to be accountability. Right. So there should be some accountability there for the safety and protection of the people who come into the houses. So whether it's done through Blossom Co-Housing Project or some other people start doing things like this too, which is entirely possible, and mm-hmm. please do, because we need more hands and more attempts to change this inside out. Yeah. You know, that's something that I think is important. The valuing of that... Um, if we really want stability for these people, this is one element that mm-hmm. helps to create that. So that is there. There's also the likelihood that there will be conflict within the houses at different times. And so I think maybe perhaps going in with an expectation that we need to have supportive either exit plans or change plans for people who maybe try it out and decide, and actually, this isn't for me. And building that into the plans will be important. Right. Just that awareness, not going in with rose glasses, rose-colored glasses, that everything's just going to be hunky-dory and everybody's just going to be smiling all the time. And for some people, it might not have to be a long-term solution exactly. either. So, you know, having an exit plan isn't, no. isn't like, uh, it's not a failure. It's I just, don't think so. you know, yeah. looking at things for people in the time that they, exactly. that they need them, right? I actually do anticipate so. that um, while what is needed is it is that stability and that sense of you can be here as long as you want. But when you have that, you also grow. Right. Right. Yeah. And so then in that growth, there may reach a point of actually I'm ready for something different. And instead of that being a negative, I see that as fruition. So if the especially if the lease is held outside of the individuals who are in the home, that makes it easy for when they feel ready to exit out, but we could then match another person in that space. And then the whole, the, like the holistic view of it still stays solid and is still growing and going forward. Right. Yeah. Just in the last uh, two minutes, how can people get involved, find out more information, mm-hmm. uh, sign up to be part of the the, the campaign and, and rally for these, these changes? Yeah. If you Google Blossom Coast Dash Housing, 
you will find us. We are on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We have an Indiegogo campaign that is live. Um, you can hashtag Blossom Co-Housing without the, da- the slash or the dash, and that will also bring us up on Instagram, and you'll find our posts on Facebook. So please come find us. Join the conversation. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic. I will also make sure that there's a, a link to Blossom Co-Housing Project in the the audio um, that's posted for this this show. Uh, when I get to that this week mm-hmm. so that you can find it there also. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Robin. Um, project coordinator for Blossom Co-Housing Project, Rebecca Mears is my guest. Uh, my name's Robin. This has been Speak Up. Do stay tuned. Democracy Now! is coming right up at 11 o'clock. We're going to go out with a little bit of jazz here, a track called sweet summer because that's what it feels like today (laughs) enjoy Oh